You're listening to The Vine Podcast, episode 81. Today we're talking all about SEO and specifically keyword research. If you've ever wondered how you can climb the ranks on Google and get more traffic to your website, you're going to want to listen in on this interview with SEO expert Ty Kilgore. Hey friend, I'm Madison Wetherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers and your host for the Vine podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Welcome, friends. I'm so excited for you to listen to this interview with Ty Kilgore. He is the SEO expert behind everything digital marketing. And in this episode, he really dives into the secrets of where you should be spending your time as a food blogger in order to see results on Google. He's going to share some tips on knowing what to do to improve the rankings for your blog without blindly following everyone else and what they're doing. There is so much to learn in this episode, so you're definitely going to want to grab a notebook and settle in. All right, let's listen to the episode. Hey, Ty, welcome to the Vine Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Could you start us off by just introducing yourself and letting us know who you are and who you work with and how? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so I I run a company called Everything Digital Marketing, and a lot of people know uh, me and my wife from Everything Food Conference. And so uh, initially, when I first started out, I was in the corporate life. And so I worked at a number of different agencies and in-house roles. And that's where I kind of had my learned my craft and understood how things worked. And so I worked on everything from small businesses and uh, big businesses to small um, mom and pop shops. And so one thing that I've really pride myself on is even though a tactic might work for one website, it might not work for another. And I learned that painfully through my agency days that I would learn that if I did something for an e-commerce store and then try to apply that to another brand of business or a different type of business, the strategy wouldn't work. And so I got very frustrated at that, not knowing why why that strategy that would work in one side of the business wouldn't work for another. And so I really uh, pride myself on lurking at a website and figuring out what that website needs and not just giving blanketed advice about this is how you do something and everyone should do this, right? There's some parts of SEO and uh, keyword research that are universal, but there's very much stuff that is unique to your situation. So yeah, I work with a number of food bloggers and uh, a number of businesses since EFC has kind of dissolved uh, to help them with their SEO. And uh, it's been great. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love that you have so much experience, but that you really have kind of focused in on food bloggers, because I think there are a lot of things that go around in the food blogging space that are correct and incorrect. And it's very hard to know what is true and what is not. And so I would love to just start us off for somebody who is not super familiar with SEO, or maybe they think they're doing SEO, but they're not quite sure. Can you just share with us what keyword research is and why it's important? Yeah, absolutely. So everyone typically uses Google for a variety of reasons, whether it's for finding directions, finding a movie ticket, finding flights, finding food recipes. And so what happens is that Google, in the way that they have organized things, they have a certain amount of information or database that happens of how many times a keyword gets searched. So if somebody is searching for, let's say, steak tacos, there's a certain amount of time or amount of people that that do that. And so every month Google collects that information and there's different keyword volumes. So a keyword volume is on a monthly scale. So there's certain keywords that are more competitive and also have a higher rate of return than others. So a keyword such as steak tacos, which gets a hot lot more search volume than a keyword such as easy steak tacos, right? And so knowing the volume of a keyword can be very impactful to your SEO because knowing that a term such as steak tacos according to keywords everywhere gets 33,000 global monthly searches okay so if I just put in one word easy and also steak tacos and recipe so steak tacos 33,000 easy steak taco recipe that one gets 
390. Okay, so the addition of two words can completely change the competitiveness of a particular search query. So the search engine result page or the page that you look at when you're looking at your results can be very much impacted, not only from who you're competing against, right? So are you going to be going up against Food Network for that term, right? Or are you going to be able to be going up against other bloggers that are in your area or level of, of SEO journey. So keyword research is the practice of identifying keywords that provide you with the knowledge of how competitive that term is going to be. Now, obviously, the bigger the volume, the bigger the return, right? So if you're going to go and you're number one for steak tacos, uh, Brian Dean, uh, who has a site called Black Linko, he did a study of 5 million search results and determined that 32% of people click on the number one result. And then after you get down to number one, it drops by like 6%. So it goes down to, to almost like... 25, 24% for number two. So even if you are number one, you're only getting 32% of whatever that volume is. So then it becomes a numbers game. So many food bloggers who are looking to increase their page views for their ad revenue to get that high RPM, knowing what food recipes to create is a lot of times one of the biggest mistakes food bloggers make is that they go after keywords or they target keywords a that they don't have any business targeting or they're targeting keywords that are so low that even if they were to get 32 percent of it it's only a thousand global monthly searches so that's 320 clicks which obviously is great but it's not obviously going to make you retire anytime soon. So the strategy of knowing how to do and perform keyword research is a very important part for any food blogger um, once they've kind of realized that SEO is where they want to go and they're, they're tired of seeing their algorithm of Pinterest and Facebook and Instagram cut their traffic in half. And so they're, they're ready to go into the SEO world and learning about keyword research is a valuable skill to have when you're creating recipes. Yeah. And I think that one of the things you just said, you know, we're fighting against the algorithms in all of the social networks. And while Google does have, you know, an algorithm of sorts, there's at least sort of a map of how you can figure out what to do. And keyword research seems to really be that map for you to figure out, like you said, is this even worth my time to create this recipe? So I know we're going to get more into this in a little bit, but when it comes to volume or when it comes to just even knowing what league you're in, how do you even begin to figure that out? Because I think a lot of food bloggers will do, like you said, the two extremes, either like I'm going to go for something super unique that only a few people are searching so that I can make sure I'm the top result, or they go for these, you know, super broad chocolate chip cookie recipe you know, type of keywords that your competition is just so fierce that it's really going to be hard to rank. So how do we figure out where we fall between those two, you know, big extremes? Yeah, that's a great question. So typically, in order for you to figure out where you should be spending your time, it's pretty easy. You, go, you, you can log into a tool called Google Search Console and look at the last 12 months worth of data and look at the queries that bring in the traffic that is non-branded, right? So people that don't Google your actual name or the name of your blog and see what those queries are. I, I hear it from food bloggers all the time. Like, well, I guess I'm the XYZ person and I didn't really want to be the XYZ person. I don't know why that post ranks so high, but it does. And now that's what I'm known for. And I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known for this, right? And I hear this all the time. And it's funny because when you look at those keywords, those are the keywords that, that Google has said you are relevant for. You have the authority to rank and you are getting traffic because of it. Now, when it comes to figuring out where you should expand from there, right? Oftentimes, one of the hardest things to do in SEO is to get the authority you need to rank high for competitive keywords, okay? So when it comes to SEO, there are three main buckets. You have relevancy, which means the actual words on the page, the content that you see when you log in and view a web page. The authority, which is the amount of backlinks you have coming into your website, and also the how authoritative the search engines deem that you are. And then you also have the technical or the, you know, the code, the development, the speed, all of the factors that go into your website and how Google can crawl it. Um, and you also have another bucket that's I call engagement, but for this purposes, those are the three main buckets. So when you're looking at where to decide 
where you stand. First, you have to decide, okay, what are the keywords that bring in traffic? And what's the search volume for them? Okay, so if you have steak tacos that's bringing in traffic, substantial traffic, right? You can look at that and say, okay, that keyword is around 33,000. So I always like to do a 5,000 below, 5,000 above range. And that's not to say that uh, that different tools aren't always the same, right? So one thing that I've learned is that if you do keyword research on a tool like SEMrush, and then you do another keyword research on a tool like Keywords Everywhere, you get very different numbers, right? And it can be frustrating because you're basically using different databases. So that's why I like to use the range because that way it compensates for that discrepancy. But that doesn't say that, you know, hey, for Mexican street tacos, 33,000 is the term. So I can, I don't need to target anything under, what would it be, 28,000? That's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is that that's your range, right? So that means when I teach keyword research, I teach that you should have six keywords that you're trying to optimize for to start off with for each and every blog post. You should have two, what I call head terms. So head terms would be like steak, tacos, right? Very top term, top term. This is like pie in the sky type of term. What do you want it to eventually become, right? And then as you go down, you have mid-tier terms and then low-hanging fruit or or long-tail terms. So the long-tail terms are going to be very low in search volume, but those are your quick wins. Those are the ones that you target quickly because you can get traction for your term, for your post. You know, I often ask food bloggers, after you publish a content, how long does it take for your post to start bringing in some traffic from SEO? Does it take two weeks? Does it take a day? Does it take three months? Does it take six months? Does it take years before you finally see traffic from these search engines coming into that blog post? So I always try to help the bloggers I work with cut that in half. Okay. So if it took six months, let's take it. Let's see if we can make it three months. If it's three months, a month and a half, a month and a half, uh, four weeks, three weeks, right? Before we start seeing some traction from these blog posts. Because the the hardest thing for me as someone that consults food bloggers is for them to put their blood, sweat, and tears into a piece of content. It takes them, you know, three days to do the editing for the photo or for the video, right? It takes them almost a good three, four days to create these masterpieces, I call them. And then, you know, after the social push is gone, they don't see anything from it. And it, it's heartbreaking, right? Like if you were to analyze the posts that actually bring you traffic from the search engine, it's probably less than 10% of the posts that you have on your site overall. So does that mean that 90% of the content you create is only good for social? Like I hope not, right? <laughs> like that means that we need to figure out why that under 90% is not getting the value. So to answer your question, I'm kind of going off and on tangent, but to, to answer your question, the way that you figure out where you should be creating and spending your time is you have to know from the top 10, top 25 queries that bring in traffic for your website, figure out what that search volume is for each of those top 25. And then I like to take out outliers. So, you know, if you have one blog post, you know, if you look at your queries and steak tacos brings in, you know, a thousand clicks in in a day, and that has 33,000, global monthly searches. And then the next query only has 10,000, right? That 33,000 is an outlier, right? It's, it, you kind of get rid of the top, get rid of the bottom and you find the average. Once you find that average, then that's when I like to do the 5,000 below, 5,000 above. So when you're creating a net new post, you know that, Hey, this search volumes maybe a little higher, but it's still within the range. Or maybe, you know, this is a hundred thousand global monthly search term. You have no business going after that, right? And I think that's when people get frustrated with SEO is because they don't quickly see results. Uh, One of the things that I hate to see because SEO is a long-term game. There is no, it's not social, right? You're not going to see how well your post did in a week, right? So you're going to see when people are posting content, uh, my hope for them is that they get quick wins, right? And you're like, oh, wow, look, you know, I I, I love to see when uh, food bloggers get really excited for a new post, right? I had a, had a, 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 somebody I'm working with wrote a peach cobbler recipe, and they wrote it not even a month ago. And that post within a month has quickly become become the top one of the top posts on their site for the year within a month's time frame. So it's brought in 50,000 clicks for the entirety of that month and a half where the next closest one is is like under 10, 
right? And so it's amazing. Like, well, I don't know what I did, you know? It's like, well, we researched it. We made sure that you did the right steps and you set you up for success. So keyword research is the first part of that success of that research to set yourself up for success. What are the keywords that you're going to target? What are the six that you're going to create? And then where are you going to put them? How are you going to write your post? What are you going to do to your post to make it stand out from the other ones? Um, Because one of the things that you'll notice is when you, just for this example, I'm looking at easy steak taco recipe. Google has 18 million different results in their database about easy steak taco recipes. So not only are you trying to get to page one of 18 million different results, you're trying to be the top one, two, or three. So you're trying to be the top 1% of the 1%, right? So if you don't think you need to do the research, right, you're just gonna be throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping that it sticks and be frustrated. You know, I mean, blogger burnout is a real thing. I don't know how many times Cami and I would, would hear from, from bloggers that they were done, that they walked away from their blog because they couldn't do it anymore. They just didn't see the results. It wasn't worth the time, wasn't worth the stress, wasn't worth the what they were losing with their family. I mean, you name it, right? Bloggers walk away all the time. And so, um, you know, to prevent that, you gotta see success. And so researching correctly will help you see success. So yeah, to be able to figure out what you should spend your time on, that's kind of the formula that I like to follow. There's definitely some outliers about what, what how to do it, but um, that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah. And that is so helpful because I think, I mean, I remember so many years of just like, this recipe sounds like it would be a good name or this recipe is the one I made my family for dinner. I'm just going to find a keyword that kind of fits it and we're going to go with that. But one thing I would love for you to just as kind of a, a final thing on the note of like volumes is what would you say for someone? So they look through their Google search console and they find out that all of their keywords are super low, like under a hundred, you know, super low volume where even if they were ranking number one for everything, you add it all up and it's still really low traffic. Where do you go from there? Like, how do you start to kind of climb that ladder when you're really kind of at the bottom? Or maybe that's even advice for someone who hasn't done any keyword research before, you know, like what do you start at as kind of the, the bottom ring if you don't have much to go off of yet? Yeah, I mean, it, the the thing that sometimes people get discouraged about is that exact scenario that you just outlined. Like I look at my Google search results and a Google search console and I'm so low, Ty, like I'm under a thousand, I'm under 2000, I'm under 3000. And I say, great, it doesn't matter where you start, right? If anyone's ever done any type of physical training or physical fitness with their body, right? If you can lift five pounds, lift five pounds, great. It doesn't mean you're going to stay there. It just means you got to come in and do the work and eventually you can lift seven and a half and then you can eventually lift tens, right? So if you're under a thousand, my goal for you would still be that 5,000 range. So for instance, like a keyword, like pork carnitas Instapot, that gets 5,400 global monthly searches. And if you're saying to yourself, pork carnitas Instapot is way out of my league, I'm only getting a thousand, right? Well, 5,000 is the top level for you. So everything underneath that needs to be less than 5,000. So your keyword research just needs to be fitted towards wherever you currently stand. If you're under 1,000, go up to five. If you're at two, go up to six. If you're at three, go up to seven, right? That 5,000 buffer is, it doesn't matter if you are really low, start where you are, right? Figure out the keywords that you can target. Now they might not be a little bit odd, right? Because the keywords are being uniquely researched just for your individual posts, but you give yourself a better chance for success. So instead of Instapot Carnitas, which gets 28,000 global monthly searches, you're calling your post Port Carnitas Instapot, right? And and that's a big difference because that post only gets, or that keyword gets 5,000. So you have a much better shot of showing up for Port Carnitas Instapot than Instapot Carnitas, knowing full well that most people call it Instapot Carnitas. But the point is that you aren't currently able to rank for that term because it's out of your league. Uh, the best example I like to give, I'm a sports guy. Um, so I, I always love to give this analogy about if you're wanting to play with the professionals, right, a food network of, of all recipes, right, and of delish, right, but you are not currently even attending your YMCA, right, <laughs> you, you can't really expect as a YMCA player to go up against the 
the major league players, right? You got to dominate the area that you're in. So you got to sign up for that rec league first and dominate the rec league and then graduate to the city league and then graduate from the city league to the regional league. And then you can play in the big, in the professional uh, areas. And so it doesn't matter if you are a minor league player or not. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you're building your business and you're building your opportunity for success. So you can keep keep calling your posts and support Carnitas and not get any traffic for it and get burned out. Or you can say, you know what? Maybe there's some value to this research idea. If I research these terms and I figure out what works, I probably will see success a lot quicker. And it happens all the time. I, I've been doing this long enough now that... It, it's incredible to see the excitement that is infused in someone when they see rankings, even if they're not even page one rankings, like just tracking a keyword and saying, hey, this new post that you published last week, you're ranking in position 30 for XYZ term. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I've never done this before, right? And it's, it's awesome to see the enthusiasm that gets infused in somebody where it helps motivate them. Okay, well, I was going to watch Netflix tonight but now I'm going to write this new post that I was on instead of watching Netflix, right? And it just helps you stay in the game, right? So little small successes, especially with the information that you're given, which can sometimes be overwhelming when it comes to SEO. There's so many different ideas and thoughts and strategies that exist out there. So keeping it to the basics, keyword research is a basic, basic understanding. It's the foundation for any great SEO. If you don't have the right keywords and you optimize for the wrong keywords, you're going to be spinning your wheels, not seeing success and which causes frustration and depression because you're not seeing the fruits of your labors. So I don't want that. You don't want that. So spend the time that's needed to research the keywords you need to, to have the success you want. Absolutely. So does this kind of theory of keyword research and like the strategy behind it, does it apply to both new content and old content that you're trying to revise? And can you walk us through like where there might be differences and and any tips you have for kind of navigating like from a content calendar kind of perspective, obviously a lot of bloggers have hundreds of blog posts to go through and fix. So kind of, do you have any tips on like managing, you know, new versus old and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, so I do. So in order for me to help explain this, um, I always tell people don't buy an SEO tool until you're ready to use it and use it frequently. Um, Investment in SEO tools, just like investment in anything, is to buy your time back. So if you're not currently subscribing to a tool like SEMrush or Ahrefs um, and you're ready to do that, I think you should first make sure that you get some training on how to use the tool and make sure that you know what you're doing, not just spying on competitors to see what their traffic is, which is what a lot of food bloggers use those tools for. Um, Those tools are so much more than that. And so... Yeah. So one of the tools that I use, both of them, uh, Hrefs or SEMrush, you can put your website into those tools and get a list very quickly of all of the page two keywords that you currently rank for in your site. So for instance, I'll put in, I'll just put in a website and I'll just share some of these keywords with you real quick. So if I go to a website and I go to Hrefs, there's a tool here that says organic keywords. Okay. So I can quickly click on that and it will allow me to look at a massive list, right? And SEMrush does this as well. They'll give me a massive list of all of the keywords that are in the top 100 of your ranking. So with a quick couple of filters, I can say, you know what? Just show me positions 11 through 30, which would be page two and page three. So for this particular person, I have 11,600 keywords that are in position 11 through 30. So just think about this for one second. If we were to get these page two and page three keywords to page one, your life would completely change from an ad revenue perspective for these 11,600 keywords. And some of these volumes are high for this particular blogger. So I think it would be surprising. Most people are going to be surprised when they recognize how much they currently are just right outside that page one level. So I like to call this my low hanging fruit, right? If you're going to spend time to to optimize a post, don't spend time on something that's not already 
prime to be optimized and to have a return for it. So my strategy is let's look at these, you know, let's, let's identify the top 10 posts of these 11,000 keywords and let's go do some keyword research, right? So for this one in particular, there's one called Turkey Pot Pie. This particular blogger, that keyword gets 36,000 global monthly searches a month and they're currently ranking position 26. Okay. So this turkey pot pie recipe, I, what I would do is I take this key URL and I put it back into the tool. You can put it into Ahrefs or SEMrush. Again, I'm not screen sharing right now, but basically what I can find is that quickly I determined that this particular post has 227 keywords that rank in the top 100. So what I look for is the search volume for each one of these terms and the current ranking. So here's a great example, turkey pot pie with biscuits. This particular pot, uh, blogger is number seven. So they ranking on the first page for turkey pot pie with biscuits, but turkey pot pie they're 26 okay and then bisquick turkey pot pie they're number five but that keyword gets 600 global monthly searches so i teach a concept inside the edm course where i talk about leveling up and the idea between a new post and an existing post is fairly similar. There's one nuance. A new post, you don't have anything to level up to. You just need to select the right keywords out of the gate, right? But when you have an existing post that's already starting to rank and you want to get more traffic to it, what you have to do is determine it through these research tools, keywords everywhere, Ahrefs, SEMrush, just simply Googling it and figuring out how much volume is there. You can use a tool like Uber Suggest, which is free, that gives you value um, and volume of keywords. But to pretty quickly be able to figure out that turkey pot pie, easy turkey pot pie, quick turkey pot pie, those keywords are right at that next threshold of keywords that I need to rank up for. And if I can get those to rank, then I can hopefully get to turkey pot pie, right? So a lot of times bloggers will see this information and say, I want turkey pot pie, right? I want it. I got to have it. Got to have it. Well, let's build to it because one of the things that you'll see is Google is a lot like your local grocery, your grocery store, right? Like if you go to the back of your grocery store and you go to the milk aisle, right? You're going to have a thousand different options for milks and a thousand different flavors and a thousand different dietary restrictions. And so what Google says is, okay, I know that there are thousands of options for this, but what do you want, person? If you're just doing a search for turkey pot pie, do you want gluten-free? Do you want, you know, whatever the options are, right? I'm not a food blogger. I don't, I don't know <laughs> food as well. I just know how to get you to rank for it. So what they'll do is they'll just give you a whole bunch and they typically take the top results from all of these variations and piece those together for your bigger one. So oftentimes what food bloggers think uh, or what they don't realize is that if they can rank for those lower terms, Google will naturally put them into those top or uh, higher terms for them. So the key to getting those top terms is to dominate the lower terms that exists below it. And so hopefully I explained that right. I know uh, sometimes it's difficult to talk when you're, I'm looking at something and trying to explain it, but uh, essentially this turkey pot pie with biscuits, that's in position seven. We need to get that in the top three. Once a keyword is in the top three, then you have the authority, the clout, the ability to go to that post and try to change some of the optimization levers that you have for turkey pot pie. Not to say that you unoptimize it for turkey pot pie with biscuits, but you look for key opportunities where you can put turkey pot pie without the with biscuits and to see if Google will recognize that as, okay, this person's also optimized or also relevant for this term. So if it's a net new post, selecting the sixth initial keywords at the level that you are needing to be at is vital. If you don't do that correctly, that post is going to go into, it had a great week for social, but it's never going to see SEO value. I wish it would, but it's not. The deadness of the SEO abyss, right? But if you are able to select the great, the right six keywords, you're able to see it start ranking faster. Uh, for an existing post that doesn't, maybe it underperforms, right? So this is that 90% of blog posts that most bloggers have, that 90% of their content isn't bringing in great value for them. What it is, is 
going into a tool such as Ahrefs SEMrush and determining what the keywords are that are at that next level, those page two, page three keywords that are right at that point where if you did some small tweaks and you, you know, figured out what your content was lacking that other pieces of content have that you currently don't, there is better opportunity for you to see success than if you just simply say, I want all the top terms for all of my blog posts, right? That's a, that's spaghetti against the wall. Let's be strategic. Like you said, there is a a formula. There is a, a process that once you understand how to do it, it's not like people who do SEO are just you know, shooting from the hip and saying, Hey, I wish let's do this. Let's do this. Let's just do, you know, it's not a car part where you're just going to a mechanic and they start just installing new stuff, hoping that that fixes the problem, right? You kind of have to do a little bit of triage, a little bit of analysis, a little bit of investigation to say, okay, if I'm Google, why am I not ranking my blog post over somebody else? What is it that they have that I don't? And if you go into that content and you find that they explain turkey pot pie a lot better to a beginner than you do, and the point of view is better, and the value that they're giving the reader is better, yeah, it makes sense, right? If you're talking to people at your level, which the level of the internet is very, very young, very, very uneducated, so you need to dumb down most of your stuff. Even if you are an expert at at it, if you can't teach it, uh, it doesn't really matter right? Unless you're having people sit at your own table, uh, that doesn't apply when you're writing blog posts. So most people that are Googling something don't know how to do it or they wouldn't be Googling it. So writing your content based on the level of your audience is also one of the biggest things that I see bloggers mistakenly do. They write to the level of a peer, right? Like if you were writing to someone who knows how to cook, right? Let's just go ahead and take that assumption out. Most people that are Googling recipes, they might have some skills, but they don't know how to do whatever you're making. So that's why they're coming to you. So to, to hopefully answer that question in a very quick way, do the keyword research for a net new post and provide six keywords, two head term, two mid tier and two long tail terms. If you're doing keyword research for posts that already exist, you need to identify the low hanging fruit by going to a tool and looking at page two, page three keywords, and then selecting those posts that have the biggest upside and looking at how to improve that content so that you can rank for the higher terms instead of just hoping that Google will give you more traffic. Yeah. And I think that's really helpful because it, like you said, it just can be such a mystery. Like why didn't the post do well or things like that. And so when you can see not why didn't it do well for this top keyword, but where are my opportunity areas where I can improve that can give you those quicker wins and then you can continue to level up. So you had mentioned looking at the content that is ranking higher and seeing where you might be able to improve your own content. Is there any other small optimizations that we can make when we find out what those keywords are? Anything that we need to change on our own post to try to level up? Yeah. I mean, I, I love that question. There, there is, and it would be like its entire blog post or podcast episode. Um, SEO, like when I, when I created the course, I, I think it's like 95 videos and it's be- simply because there's so many different nuances to, an- to, to answer that question there. Yes. A thousand percent there is. So once you know the keywords and the research that you need to do, where to put those keywords, and then also how to create your blog post. If you look at some of the top blogs that are consistently bringing in traffic, right? And you look at some common themes that they have, they follow a very particular outline. They follow, you know, a a meta description at the beginning, a featured image at the middle and right after that. And then they have an introductory paragraph about why their post, why their food blog is so much better than, than somebody else's. And they're not shy about it, right? My chocolate chip cookie recipe is the best chocolate chip cookie recipe online, right? And this is where you kind of have to put your sales hat on, right? You have to put on um, exactly why your content is better. And sometimes food bloggers, you know, I would ask them when they would come to this, uh, I used to hold in-person retreats. And one time I, I would ask everybody that came through, tell me why your pasta recipe, your taco recipe, your steak recipe, your chicken recipe is better than anyone else's. And sometimes people struggle to answer it. And I'm like, unfortunately, you need to be able to answer that question. If you can't tell me 
then your readers can't tell me either. And you have to have a strong point of view. That's what people gravitate to, right? So yes, point of view matters. Meaning, you know, why do people love Apple over over Microsoft? Why do people love Southwest over, over United Airlines? Why do people love Whole Foods over Safeway? right? Why do people love companies and despise others? It's because their point of view for those companies has married people to that company. So every time a new iPhone comes out, people are lining up for it. It's not because their specs are so much better than Samsung's or from Microsoft's. It's because it has that logo on it and that logo means something. And as you build a food block, you're building a business, you're building a brand. And I, I loved it. I have somebody that come to me and, uh, uh, I love this story. They they talked about, you know, my my readers, they'll ask me for recipes. And I'm like, why are they asking me for this recipe? There must be at least half a million other recipes online about how to make that dish. And, you know, the person, he they, they asked that in the comments. Why do you want to know mine? You're like, well, I always look for yours first because I know what I'm going to get when I use yours. But if you don't have it, then I go look somewhere else. And sometimes I'm unhappy with what I get from other people. So that's why I'm asking you. I want to know yours. And so, and, and true to form, as soon as they created that recipe, the first thing that they talked about was why other people do it wrong and why theirs is better. So that's the one thing that your competitors can't copy. That's the one thing that, that doesn't matter if Food Network has it or if Delish has it or if Bobby Flay made it. It doesn't matter because they're asking your opinion. They're asking what, how you make it, right? And that's the one distinction that unfortunately food bloggers do not highlight. They do not emphasize and they do not broadcast widely enough. And so after you have the introductory paragraph, you need to then talk about ingredients or history of the blog post itself. So oftentimes, you know, if it's, you know, you need XYZ ingredient or XYZ flour or XYZ, you know, seasoning, you need to talk about that. And people are wanting to know, I want to know exactly what product you're using. What type of butter are you using? What's the brand? Is it salted? Is it unsalted? Is it, you know, this consistency, that consistency? How long do you need to heat it up the butter? You know, especially for cookies, right? You got to heat that butter up. And how do you heat that butter up? And, and how do you do it? Um, and how long do you let it, you know, sit at room temperature? All these questions that people have, right? So then you go into the ingredients and then you talk about exactly how to make it. And then it's the FAQ section. So all the questions that arise around that post. So the great test I like to have people take is grab somebody that's, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, that age range, and give them uh, all the ingredients that they would need to create your recipe. And then give them your blog post. And then sit back and see if they can go from simply reading your post to a finished product. If they can't, if they need to ask a question or find out more information, you did not write your blog post correctly. And a lot of people don't write their content that way. They, they assume too much. They assume that they know, people know how to melt butter. And then food bloggers, they would always, you know, kind of sit around the table and you won't believe the comment I got on such and such post. So-and-so asked me where you're supposed to get the meat. You're, you have to go to the grocery store, dummy, and get the meat. You have to go buy it. What do you mean? Where do you get the meat? And people, people realize very quickly if you've been blogging how dumb readers are. And I mean that with all due respect, but there are some dumb people out there that you cannot make assumptions around. So if you see a blog post that's not written like that, or the, and one of the things that I try to highlight for people is that if you're trying to compete with 18 million other pieces of content, you have got to put in the effort to create the very best thing that you can ever imagine. And if you're not willing to put that effort in, don't expect to rank on the first page. You are talking about 18 million other recipes that are out there that are trying to buy for that top eight positions, which is now with the people also asking with the key moments of videos that people are putting in and the carousel, you only really get eight blue links on the page one. So you're talking about eight key eight pages or eight URLs listed on page one. And you're going to give me content. That's not the best thing you can give me. You're going to need to go back to the board. And a lot of times, um, you know, you, you, I have questions all the time about why does Food Network, why does Delish, why does all recipes, how come they rank so well, right? And how can I ever compete with them? Well, the reason they rank so well is because they have such high authority. Remember, there's there's different factors that, that 
compete for why a blog post ranks for where it does. So if you're going to compete with somebody that has really high authority, you have to tip the scales in your favor by writing a blog post that blows theirs out of the water. And that's when the algorithm works in your favor as compared to why all recipes used to rank. So now food bloggers are starting to dethrone all recipes and food network. And, you know, it's, it's not uncommon to see bloggers on the top of the list because they provide a more thorough post. And Google is in the business of giving traffic to the people who answer the question that people are asking in that little search query box better than anyone else. So you need to research how your recipe is not providing that value. So that's a little bit of a nugget. I mean, I, I, I go into hours of, of going into more detail around, um, but that basic outline is one that I see a thousand times and doesn't matter the blogger you you insert domain name and that is basically the rough outline that i see that consistently ranks you know the images might be different featured images might be different process shot images might be laid out differently but that's essentially the the formula that i see repeated again and again and again and so if people don't have that information if they don't answer the questions right so um if there's people also ask questions within the search result and people, and you don't answer those questions, then the people that are, are getting ranked ahead of you. And it's simple as that. So yeah, you need to give me your answer of this question. And if you don't give me that answer, then your competitors are, and they're getting your traffic. So hopefully that helps uh, answer a little bit of the question, knowing that there's so much more to discuss, but that's a little bit of, of information of what you can do once you know what you're looking for. Yeah. And we'll absolutely put the link to your course in the show notes as well, because I know many food bloggers who have taken it and just love it. And I just think there's, like you said, there's so much information out there. And I guess, so for a final question before, just if there's anything else you want to add, I would love to hear your advice for just keeping up with all of the changes, all of the, you know, we've got Core Web Vitals now. There's just constantly new things that are coming out and yeah. whether they're correct or incorrect. And so I'd love just for you to speak about how to manage all of that information and just kind of how to stay in your own lane and doing what you know to do, because I know that there is an abundance of information and tips out there. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing to do is that for the technical things that Google is coming out with, you need to hire somebody like Madison. You need to hire somebody that unless you're the technical person, don't don't overreach your area of expertise. And I think food bloggers are the craziest group of entrepreneurs I have ever been the privilege of working with. Because when I'm in the agency setting, so let me just paint this picture. When I was in the agency setting, we had an SEO specialist a senior SEO specialist. I had a junior copywriter, a senior copywriter. I had a junior designer, a senior designer, a junior front-end developer, a senior front-end developer, a junior back-end developer, a senior back-end developer. And then I also had social media specialists. I had one for each channel. And so I had a team of 12 to 15 people that I was responsible for and helping them stay on task. Now, these crazy food bloggers think I can do that. I can do that. And then they throw on photography and videography and editing. And before you know it, they are doing the job of 20 to 25 people that in the corporate life are individual job titles. But I get it. As an entrepreneur, you wear many hats and you don't maybe have the funds to go out and spend money with somebody else to help take that off your plate. One of the things that I would recommend from a business standpoint is outsource the stuff that you don't know. Unless you're going to spend the time and have the, the willingness to do it, right? Like I truly want you to sit back and think, do I really want to know about web development? Probably not. You're creative. You're a food blogger. You're creating the content. So why in the world are you reading content about web development? You're not going to understand it. And even if you did, you're going to need to have somebody to help you implement it. So when it comes to technical changes, leave that to Madison. <laughs> right. When you're coming to how do you create the best, you know, steak taco, that's where I'm coming to you. Right. But if you can't do that, 
how do you stay on top of everything? So Google has their own blog that they publish content for. They also have starter guides that you can read if you are interested in learning more about how SEO works. They also have plenty of SEO guides that are out there. So it's not undoable for you to just simply do a couple of key searches and learn at your own pace. Absolutely, you can do that. And if that's where you need to be, do that. If you are not at that point, you need to make a list and you need to say, here are the things that I do on a daily basis that I love and I want to continue to do. Here are the things I do on a daily basis that I hate and I don't want to do these again ever. <laughs> and you need to go to Fiverr or you need to ask in a Facebook group. I have so many people who are learning to outsource the things in their business that they do not like to do and it's freeing for them, not just from a stress management perspective, but from a business perspective. They're seeing their numbers move forward faster. When you get other people involved, now it doesn't necessarily mean you have to pay people. A lot of people are doing internships, right? Like uh, you can get college students who are looking for internships that they'll do it for course credit. Now, granted, you're not going to get an expert in that, but if you can manage it or a virtual assistant, whatever it is, the more that you outsource the things in your business that take so much time that you hate, the better off you are. But for your particular question, I would recommend that you spend time looking at variety of people's opinions. Okay. There's going to be conflicting information out there, especially around SEO. And just because so-and-so food blogger said something and she is somebody that you aspire to be, doesn't mean the advice that she is giving that worked for her website will work for yours. There are a thousand times over I have heard stories. Well, I did this because, insert blogger's name, said in a Facebook group that I was supposed to do this and this is what will happen and this is the result they got. And I basically thought, said, well, this what happened for her it's going to happen for me. That's not what happens. Websites are very different animals. They're very different uh, cars and closets. They're all different. So if somebody has a big suburban or uh, expedition and they're doing something that works for them, that tip might not work for your website, which is, you know, a, a smaller uh, sedan, right? That's, that's just barely getting on its feet. So what you have to recognize is learn the basics, learn how things, that's where you should spend your time. Now, when it comes to all of the various advice that comes out there, you need to take everything with a grain of salt. I can't count how many times I have given advice to one food blogger, got off the phone, got on another meeting and gave the exact opposite advice to the next person. And that might seem like, well, geez, how am I supposed to get ahead, Ty? Well, what you have to do is learn the foundation. I like to compare SEO to a, a buffet, right? Your website might not need the steak and the potatoes. It might not just need a dinner roll and a light salad with a light dessert, right? But knowing what that dinner roll is, knowing what that salad is, knowing what the steak and potatoes are, that's where you need to invest your time. Because once you learn the plays, then you can start playing around with the playbook. But so many bloggers do it backwards. They want to do the playbook without knowing the plays. So then when somebody tells them, hey, go out and you need to have a certain amount of uh, dimensions on, a, on an image, or hey, you need to do XYZ videos, or hey, you need to put your, your ad network's videos in this spot in your blog. Then they run and they do 500 changes in one night for five hours, taking that ad network video and placing it where it was to a new place based on somebody's recommendation, right? A lot of what people recommend are based off of experiments that they've ran on their own website. So oftentimes that recommendation might not be universal and might not apply to yours. So you need to learn to experiment with what you have instead of relying on the advice that another food blogger, maybe good intentions are there but it might not just be the silver bullet. There is no silver bullet when it comes to SEO. Invest your time in the foundational things, learn the plays, and when you know how to write an SEO title, you know how to research your competition, when you know how to write a blog post that is your best blog post ever, you set yourself up for much bigger success than knowing, oh, I need to change my ad revenue, my ad network video 
underneath the feature image to above the, the recipe card, right? Like I, I hear all of these, hey, what's your opinion about this? Hey, what do you think about this? And I'm like, well, personally, I've never tried that. So let's try it for two weeks and on, you know, four websites and see how it responds. It comes back, it didn't work. You know, ad revenue is down. So we're going to revert back. Or you know what? It did work. So we're going to expand that that experiment to a, a couple of more blogs and do it for a couple more blog posts on the ones we already did. So if you approach it very ex scientific experiment wise, it will be much better for you. And so hopefully, hopefully that helps. Yeah, I think just like the advice that I would give to second that is just slowing down, like just instead of changing a million things at once, changing a few things at a time, tracking it, letting it, giving it some time because so many people just want that quick win and sometimes you'll get them, but you might not know why. And so it just takes time to build on that. But there has been so many great little nuggets of information. And I hope that everybody who's listened today has just gotten so many good tips, but also we'll have kind of a next best step. And I will definitely link to your website and your course in the show notes. But just to give everybody that, like while they're listening, could you just share where people can find you and how they can connect with you if they want to work with you? Because you definitely can help them in this journey of SEO and keyword research. Yeah, absolutely. So I have my website is everythingdigitalmarketing.com. So you can go there and I think that will land you on my landing page for my membership course. So you can find more information about me and uh, my email address there if you'd love to email me. I also have social uh, media channels that I have uh, for everything digital marketing, but that's basically the, the main way to, to contact me if you'd like to, to learn more. And you have your course and then you also do like done for you services as well if people need if they need to hire an expert to do this for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I do offer um, SEO audits. So that one uh, is linked on that page. So yeah, all the information about things that I offer are available on everythingdigitalmarketing.com. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It has been just a pleasure to get to talk to you and just learn more about keyword research. I think everyone's going to have quite a to-do list after listening to this episode, <laughs> but thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.